Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Tea with Janae. I'm your host, Janae Kirshner of Janae Kirshner Photography and the photo education and coaching site, Tea with Janae. Tea with Janae is where we give real advice, tangible tips, and thoughtful insight about what it's really like to be a wedding photographer. I'm so thrilled about today's brand new podcast episode because I'm chatting with Braden Drake all about how income taxes actually work. We took all things income taxes, which I know can be scary, but Braden really helps break it down into tangible, easy to understand, bite-sized bits of information that I know you're all going to comprehend. Seriously, it's not that scary and he's a joy to talk with. A little bit about Braden is that he is a licensed attorney and tax professional working with an audience of creative entrepreneurs, including many professionals across the wedding industry. His business helps make that legal and tax stuff not suck so much for people like us, creative entrepreneurs and small business owners. He also educates creative entrepreneurs at all stages of their businesses through his courses, his podcast, and his book, On F Your Business. And I'm so excited that he's with us today. Also, before we start today's show, I wanted to ask you guys a quick question. Are you feeling stuck in your business and thinking about working with a coach? I'd love to help. Each month I offer one-on-one coaching sessions for wedding photographers to tackle whatever is overwhelming you. Whether it's help with your website, your social media and marketing strategy, to the ins and outs of running your own small business. I can help you take the overwhelm out of your everyday and help you focus on your next steps to achieving your goals. If you're just starting out or a few years in and looking for a coach to help guide you in the right direction and help keep you accountable, let's chat. Visit www.twitchene.com and click on the work with me button in the menu to find out more and schedule your discovery chat today. All right, you guys, let's get excited. Let's grab a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited you guys are here. I have a wonderful guest on the line. Brayden, can you say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. Super, super excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime I get to come talk to people about legal stuff and tax stuff, I'm here for it. I know. I'm excited. I feel like this is such a good topic. We're going to dive into income taxes and how they actually work and hopefully help a couple of listeners along the way. But before we get started, let's tell everybody a little bit about you, your company, and how you began your own business. Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Brayden Drake. You can just call me Brayden. And I run primarily an online education company, which means that I do education through courses, memberships, contract templates, all that good stuff. And I began my business straight out of law school. So I started a law firm, began working one-on-one with clients and largely what I what we all refer to as the creative space, which includes a lot of wedding professionals as well. And here I am a few years later. I love that. Where did you go to law school? 
I went to a little school called California Western here in San Diego, California. And then I got my master's at the University of San Diego in tax law. Super fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. She must really like taxes. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I took took one tax class in law school and actually really enjoyed it from an academic perspective. So that professor talked me into going to get, we call it a tax LLM, which was also like her background. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is so interesting to me because my brain like just doesn't work in taxes. (laughs) Like it's just a creative, like I just can't break it down. So I, that's why I'm really excited you're here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, I think a lot of us tell ourselves that too. We, you know, we could do like a whole podcast on the whole, like, I'm not good with numbers thing, which I think a lot of us are conditioned to believe, but I share with people all the time that I got a C in undergrad calculus and that actually preempted me from getting into business school. So that's like part of my journey. I was never great at math, but the beautiful thing about tax is it really only takes probably up to maybe like a sixth grade math level. We got to do addition, subtraction and percentages. That's about it. Okay, good. Well, that already feels better. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, perfect. So let's talk about, you know, what do small business owners um, need to know in order to understand the basics of their own tax return? So I like to teach this topic very comprehensively, like probably almost too comprehensively. Um, But whenever I talk to my students about it, they're always really, really thankful after the fact that they got the full rundown. So when I like to teach this topic of how do taxes work, I call this the like basically the one week class or the one day class probably need to be like three to five days that we should have all had in like high school economics, like understand the basis of our income taxes. So the most important thing is you need to know, obviously, when to be paying taxes and when to file them and how much to be paying. So we can get into quarterly taxes and things like that. But even before that, to give a more comprehensive understanding, I like to teach about topics like the difference between employment income and other income and all of our different tax deductions. So what's the difference between an itemized deduction and adjustment, a business deduction and so forth. So we can dig into it. Yeah. I love that. Well, you just touch on another thing. It's like, what, you know, what is a different, I guess people say this, you know, a lot is like, if you're making, if you're not making enough money, you know, you have a hobby and you're, you don't have a business. I guess the good question is, you know, how do you know the difference between hobby income, employment income and business income? Yeah. So a, a lot of it kind of comes down to semantics, right? Like I really dislike the word hobby income because I think a lot of people, or I should say the phrase, I think a lot of people uses it in order to kind of make themselves feel like they don't have to make their business legitimate from the beginning. And that's not really the case, right? So what I always tell people is as soon as you are providing a service or a product with the intent to actually make a profit, even if the profit's not very much, then you probably have a taxable business, right? Um, One example, I'll give you a really, really silly example of what's like not a business. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds perfect. Okay. So I used to work at the help center at H&R Block, which meant when people self-filed their tax return, I like sat on the other end of the help chat when people had tax questions. So I did that for one tax season as like a getting started job. And this mom actually chatted in and she was really confused because her son had bought, um, and forgive me, I I don't really know the terminology. I think it's probably not going to align with your audience super well either, but he was really into Dungeons and Dragons. I think it was, and they make these like figurines. They're like model characters. So you can like buy them and you like paint them. And I don't know, it's like a craft project basically. And so he'd done this and then he sold it like a year later, I think on eBay, 
And may, let's say he bought these things for 500 and sold them for a thousand. Well, mm-hmm. that actually had to be reported on his tax return because he made $500 on that. Right. Um, but this was not something he ever like intended to do again. He wasn't going to like monetize it into a business. So like we could call that hobby income. He probably didn't have to pay business taxes on that. But your audience, I would guess like if they've gone as far as listening to your podcast, it means that they want to run and grow a successful business. So anything that they're making is probably going to be business income. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's really important. I think people get nervous like, oh, I'm just doing it for fun. I don't have to do any taxes yet. And then when they start having real clients or what they consider real clients, like paying clients, they're like, okay, I need an LLC. I got to get an accountant. I got to do this. And they get really overwhelmed. you know. So I think... It's just starting out with the intention of, yeah, I'm going to be a business and maybe just getting everything in a row right from the beginning would maybe save people a little bit of stress. Yeah, exactly. And I also I also think that what we call ourselves really matter. Like we could get into limiting beliefs as well. Oh, but it's really that, yeah. like I, I don't yeah, I don't like it when people call themselves hobbyists. And I even I even don't really like the word freelancer because ultimately a freelancer is just a business owner who does like provide services to several different people, right? And that's yeah. what we're all doing. Yeah. Um, the other nuance we can discuss is like the difference between self-employment income and non-self-employment income. It's a little bit, you know, a little bit tricky, but I think pretty intuitive, right? So if we're providing a service or a good in exchange for income and that's our business, then that's self-employment income, right? So we're earning it due to our labor. And then the difference would be if you are a W-2 employee, you receive employment income. So pretty simple where the area gets a little gray is if you're being paid as a contractor and not an employee, that's self-employment income as well. And that gets like a little bit of a blurred line where people are like, oh, I only work for one person 30 hours a week, but they pay me as a contractor. Well, arguably, legally, you might need to be an employee, but we're not going to worry about that on this podcast. That gets treated as self-employment income. Right. Oh, gosh, that's really interesting. I know people are, I think, and I like the word freelancer too, you know, creative or freelancer. I remember when I was starting out, I was like, what should I be? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's almost like you have this, like, what should I call myself? Like, what's my new title? And yeah. people, I think people like try to grow into the role of being a business owner, but like the reality is that's you, what you are from the outset. So just like own the role. I think a lot of it is also imposter syndrome, right? Like we we get our first website or our first business card and we're like afraid to talk at family Thanksgiving about how we're a business owner now because you know we think people are going to like laugh at us or something until we have a certain volume of clients. But that's just silly. You got to like own it from the beginning, let people know that you're in business so you can start to get the clients that you deserve. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to go back to what you were you said before about limiting beliefs. I love talking about mindset and manifesting and, and working through limiting beliefs. So how do you think people listening uh, and maybe would impose some limiting beliefs on themselves um, in regards to their own business? Well, when it comes specifically to this to this topic, I think it's when people tell themselves or when they tell other people like, oh, I'm just a hobbyist. Really, anytime you use the word just in a sentence, like I think you should check yourself right. and see what you're telling yourself out loud. I mean, there are so many other ways that people limit their sums themselves as well as funny as far as money mindset and other things. I like to leave a lot of those tips to all of the coaches out there who can speak to it more eloquently than I can. <laughs> but when it comes like when it comes to this terminology, I, I do see that a lot. And I think that we, you know, we just need to shift the way we think about it and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I know for me, like a limiting belief was like, I'm not good at money or, you know, I don't 
I'm in a creative and I don't want to know, or basically I just had blinders on, like, I, I'm just going to do my taxes one way. And then two years ago, right. I finally got on um, QuickBooks and it was, it was sort of like this amazing sort of like, oh my God, I can see everything. I don't have to be afraid of my own money. And for me, it was really magical. And I've talked about this a bunch on the podcast where, you know, the pet being empowered and like, seeing what you're actually bringing in and what you're actually spending is actually really helpful to break through those limiting beliefs because you're like, oh, I actually made more money than I thought. You know, it's just totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I always, I also like to tell people like, if you can figure out your CRM, like if you can figure out HoneyBook or Dubsado, you can figure out QuickBooks. If you can figure out, you know, you get the picture, right? So it's not really that complicated. And when it comes to the math stuff, like I honestly have students, sometimes I have to forget like the math that we do forget as adults. So sometimes I, I literally have had to coach students through how to calculate a percentage, but they just like forgot which number goes on the top of the fraction, which number goes on the bottom. There's like no shame in that. It's like a two minute lesson. And they're like, oh, okay, it's coming. It's coming back to me now, <laughs> especially for those of us like myself who like don't have kids that we have to help with their math homework. We got to refresh it ourselves. Oh. So a lot of the stuff, yeah, a lot of the stuff just takes like a quick refresh and we can pick it up. It's not that complicated. Yeah, I love that. My daughter's six and she's going to start learning math soon. And I'm like, I don't even know what the core core math is. It's totally different from how I was taught. So I'm like actually worried about that. <laughs> right. Because I know like now it's not enough to like know the answer. You have to like go through some like a whole rigmarole to get there. I know. Yeah. It's like you just add these two. <laughs> So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So I would, I would love for you to sort of explain, you know, deductibles and what, you know, a small business owner should pay attention to when they're itemizing their deductibles. Yes. Okay. So I want to first explain like the different types of deductions. Okay. So we have, I'm going to lump them. I'm, I'm going to, I actually like to call these tax tools because they're like tools that we have in our tool belt to help our taxes. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we have, I'm going to talk about four different types of tax tools. Three of them are really deductions. So we have adjustments, we have itemized deductions, we have business deductions, and we have tax credits. And each of these work a different way. So let's talk about business deductions first. So we all understand the concept of income, right? We get business income, every single dollar your clients pay you, we're going to call that like your gross income or your revenue. Those mm -hmm. terms are usually interchangeable, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have our business expenses. So sitting in front of me, I have my planner that I use. I'm speaking into a podcast microphone. Those are both business deductions, right? So if I made $100 last month and I spent $30 on those two things, then my net business income or business profit would be $70. So that's our net business income. So that's how business deductions work. Like you spend the money, you get the deduction. It's pretty straightforward, right? Um, can I can I go on a little bit of a side tangent on where people go wrong with business deductions? Yeah, go ahead, go for it. Okay, all right. So one thing I want people to like get their mindset around is that you don't get a dollar for dollar tax savings with business deductions. And here's what I mean by that. Let's use the same math I did a second ago. It's like $100 in income, $30 in expenses, and assume that we have a 10% tax rate. So Janae, do you mind if I put you on the spot and ask you to do some math? Uh, I will. I have my phone. I can use my calculator. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is where you can tell that like, I also am a podcast host because sometimes I forget that I'm the guest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's assume that you owe 10% taxes on your $100 of income. Like how much tax would you owe? 
$10. Okay, great. Now let's assume that you have a $30 deduction and now your business net income is only $70, but you still owe 10% tax. How much tax do you owe? $7? Yes, $7. Okay. okay. All right. So before the deductions, so we took $30 in deductions, right? Yeah. Before the deductions, we owed $30 in taxes. And after the deductions, we owed, sorry, we owed $10 in taxes before the deductions, $7 in taxes after. So okay. we ended up saving $3 with that $30 business expense. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So in short, the point that I'm trying to make here is that in this hypothetical, and of course the math isn't perfect because I'm using really clean numbers. We spent $30 to save $3. Is that good? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, do you think that that is a pretty good benefit? I think so. Yeah. Yes. So I like, I always give the answer, like it depends. So what I tell people <laughs> is like, if you got like, if you go into a Best Buy and you're like, Ooh, that computer looks really nice. I'm going to buy that. Like just for the tax money. Is that a good idea? Like probably not. No. But mm -hmm. if you go into Best Buy and the computer's like on sale and you already needed to buy a computer, like it's on the list of things you need for your business, then sure. Go ahead and buy it. Like you never want to make a business purchase because of the tax deduction. You're going to make business purchases because you need to. And then the tax tax deduction is just like a nice added benefit. Yeah. That's actually kind of how I think of it. That's so funny because uh, this year, I feel like also as a business owner, in, especially photography, like there's cycles, right? Like your camera lasts so many years, your computer lasts so many years. And then this was a year for me where I was like, I need a new computer. I need a new camera. I need a new iPad. And I was like, okay, this is going to be like a big expense. But then I'm like, all right, I get some of this deducted at the end of the year, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, everything's super cyclical. Like, I think I get a new computer like every three years. I don't even know why. Like I just use it for like word processing. But <laughs> the reason why I always like to go through this example is at the end of every year, I see so many people like in December are like, oh, year's about to close out. What should I spend my money on so that I can lower my tax bill? And that's such like a, which is just such a bad way to think about it. And to get like, to give an example for this, it would be like, assume that you're going to end up owing $5,000 in tax season, like come tax season. If you spend $5,000 on stuff at the end of the year, just to save taxes, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to lower your tax bill by maybe a thousand dollars. So now your tax bill is $4,000, but the $5,000 you had saved has now been spent. So you don't have any money to pay your taxes. Right. Um, and I think I see that a lot. That's not the way everyone thinks about tax deductions, but it's, it's worth going through. So those are our business deductions though. So our other types of deductions are personal related deductions. And we have ones called adjustments and ones called itemized deductions. So I'm going to explain the itemized deductions first. The way these work is we have this magical, I call it like a magical benefit that's in, like given to us by Congress. Um, Janae, you've probably heard the term standard deduction before, yes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we all get a standard deduction. Um, I think this year for single people, it was $12,200. Married people, $24,400. So double. And head of household, if you're head of household, that means that you have like child or other dependents, but you are un married. Uh, and it's that's somewhere in between. So let's assume I'm just going to call the standard deduction 12,000 for easy math. Let's assume that your uh, total income is $52,000. You get to take the standard deduction 
And that reduces it from 52 down to 40. And now that's the number on which we would calculate your taxes. So the standard deduction is just a benefit that everyone gets. Which okay? is nice. Yeah, that's nice. Yes, which is very nice. The way itemized deductions work is, um, first of all, some examples of itemized deductions are interest you pay on a mortgage, out-of-pocket healthcare costs. Uh, those tend to be the two big ones. There are some others as well. Uh, charitable donations. Those That's the third big category. And we can itemize these deductions. And all that really means is we can add up the amount of money we spent on all these things. And then we can choose whether we want to take our itemized deductions or standard deductions. So really what that amounts to is you only, we call it itemizing, you only quote unquote itemize your deductions if they total more than your standard deduction. And these standard deductions were doubled under President Trump's tax plan a few years ago. Um, He eliminated some like other tax benefits It all kind of like evened out. It it made the process a little bit simpler, if you can believe it or not. Um, But now far, far fewer people itemize their deductions. Um, And that's what that comes down to, basically. So if you paid mortgage mortgage interest of $8,000 during the year, like, some people get frustrated because they're like, oh, I'm not really getting a tax benefit from this. And it's like, well, you could, but you're going to do your standard deduction instead because it's more. Right. Because you're taking the bigger benefit. Yes. Yeah. So that's an either or scenario. And then the reason I explained those first is because the easiest way to explain a tax adjustment is that it's a personal deduction that doesn't require you to itemize. Pretty simple. So uh, adjustments include retirement contributions. That's a really big one. Um, also, the example I always like to give is out-of-pocket like teacher costs or teacher expenses. Like mm-hmm. if a teacher goes and buys equipment for their classroom, they can deduct up to a certain amount. And you get to dedu- deduct that regardless of whether you itemize. So you take your adjustments and then you take your standard or itemized deduction. And those are our three main categories of deductions. Nice. Cool. And then our fourth, our fourth tax tool is tax credits. Do you know how tax credits work? I don't think so. Maybe you could explain that. Yes. All about it. So a tax <laughs> credit, <laughs> a tax credit is uh, a tax credit is our favorite tax benefit because it provides a dollar for dollar tax benefit, unlike a deduction. So for the business deduction, we went through that whole example of how the $30 deduction saves you $3 in taxes. Well, a $30 tax credit saves you $30 in taxes. So that's why these are so awesome. So an example would be a child tax credit, right? So if you have kids, you get child tax credits. It's like the, the biggest tax benefit you get if you have children. So let's assume that you make like $100,000. We go through all those deductions. We calculate your business profit. And we determine that your tax bill is going to be $20,000. $20, and you have two kids. And I forget what the exact credit amount is this year, but let's say it's $2,500 per child. That'd be a $5,000 credit. So we take your $20,000 in tax and we subtract your $5,000 credit. And now your tax bill is only $15,000. So we really like credits. Yeah. Really brings it down. Yes. Yeah. Credits. uh, Really, Congress uses credits as like a way to save certain people tax money or to incentivize certain behavior. So that's why we have tax credits for things like electric vehicles. They want to incentivize you to buy an electric car, which might cost a little bit more, but the government's going to offset that with the tax credit. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. So what is something that you like cannot deduct? I know this is sort of like a sketchy, you know, sticky subject for people. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot, right? So if we want to, I mean, 
You want to talk about business deductions in particular? Yeah. Like people I know, like as a wedding photographer, I buy shoes, you know, like I need to rotate my shoes out every season and, but I can't deduct those because it's like a personal experience. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's like that fine line where like, oh, I'm going to buy a brand new wardrobe, but you can't deduct it <laughs> from your business. <laughs> Yeah. So clothing and apparel in general is a really big one, especially in the wedding industry. Cause like I get a, what a lot of people will say is like, well, Brayden, I'm going to like buy this dress and these shoes. And like, it's not something that I would normally wear on a day-to-day basis, but I need it for these events. And I agree with you, but the IRS does not agree with you. And their general take is as long as it's something that like you could possibly wear like in your personal life, it's not going to be a deduction. Mm-hmm. So A gray area example I like to give is let's say you're like a news broadcaster and you have your assistant like literally go buy you dresses from Bloomingdale's and put them like in your changing room, like at the news station. And they literally like they never go home with you. That still might be a little bit of a gray area. But if I'm that person's like tax professional, I'm going to tell them to deduct it. But for the rest of us, if it's things that like end up in our personal closet, like it's probably going to be a no. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. I also, um, I have a friend, um, you might know Amber from, uh, refine. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not sure if you know her, but, um, she likes to message me all the time and ask me like why she can't get deductions for like the blowouts she gets for the weddings that she does. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't make the, I don't make the rules. Yeah. It's not a deductible expense. Uh, I guess it's interesting. Like do, can bloggers do that? Cause that's kind of like their job. Uh, but I mean, that's not my audience, but I think that's a good question. (laughs) Yeah. For like a fashion, fashion bloggers are an interesting kind of case study. And I think the rule for them is if you're buying something like just to test it and not to wear it, then maybe like if you're not putting it in your closet afterward, but then that kind of begs the question, like, what are you doing with these, with this clothing? Um, but I know influencers who did did like Louis Vuitton giveaways. So sure. They can deduct the cost of a Louis Vuitton bag because they're going to buy it. And then like give it away. And you know, those like Instagram follow chains that people used to be really oh, into. Yeah, yeah. So that's an example. Like, you know, we all can do giveaways for like social media, whatever we buy for those would, you know, it technically be an advertising expense, is what I would call that. Oh, neato. Cool. So what just real quick, what's the difference between revenue and profit? Yeah. So revenue is like our gross income and profit is our income after expenses. So if you photograph 10 weddings for $10,000 in one year, your revenue is $100,000. And then your profit would be whatever money's left over after all your business expenses. And that's what we really need to do bookkeeping to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads me to my next question. Um, and I would love to pick your brain. Like, what software recommendations do you love and would you recommend to help make this easier for everyone? So it's interesting that you just mentioned QuickBooks earlier, because if you can believe it or not, I, as a tax attorney, just set up my own QuickBooks account this past weekend. No and it's on my to-do list. That's yeah, on my to-do list to categorize income transactions for July, June, and May today. So mm-hmm. up until now, I've always used a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And what I often tell people, like my general guidance is that QuickBooks is awesome. A lot of these programs are amazing, but they have, they take a little bit of a learning curve. Like how long did it really take you to get yours figured out? Well, my accountant, she sat with, we did a zoom for an hour and she showed me exactly what to do. um, And she was very patient with me. So that was for me as a visual learner, like that was incredible. And then now I can reconcile my books within 
within less than 30 minutes. But that was because she sat with me for sure. Nice. Do you do that like on a monthly basis? Yeah. I set up a monthly calendar reminder for the first Monday of every month. And then I it'll take me about 30 minutes to do all of my expenses. And then I do my reconciliation and then I'm done. And she's so happy. <laughs> my account is like, yeah. I love you now. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. I was giving her a spreadsheet for years and she's just like, this is so much work. Um, so now it's really simple. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a really good, that's the work, like the ideal workflow. I like to set everyone up on. I got mine like mostly together in about four hours. And I learned, um, I actually had a bookkeeper do a series of training videos inside of my signature program for my students. And I went through that training myself to set up my own QuickBooks. So honestly, like I was probably able to do it faster than a lot of people because a lot of the lingo she was using, I was familiar with, but I would tell people, you know, it's going to take you like two solid days to set it up. If you don't have an accountant walking you through it step-by-step. The problem people get into is they don't learn how to do it correctly. And then, uh, Janae, they end up like miscategorizing everything in their QuickBooks account. And then it turns into a hot mess. Right. And you end up having to like manually do everything come tax season. So what I recommend is if you're just starting out, if you're a brand new business owner and you don't want to worry about it just yet, you can use the spreadsheet. Like that's totally fine. Like people used to do all their bookkeeping on like with pen and paper. So there's nothing wrong with the spreadsheet. Um, But if you want to learn how to use the software, go with something like QuickBooks. You just need to take the time to learn how to do it. And I'll also share a lot of tax professionals like QuickBooks because it's the most common software used by tax professionals, but you can absolutely use different programs. A lot of my students like Wave, they think that it's easier, Um, but I do think it's worth learning QuickBooks online uh, earlier on in case you want to hire it out later. It'll be easier to find someone. Yeah. I like it that my accountant can just... So yeah, talking about like categorizing things correctly, I realized this past month, I was like, oh, where did that... Um, income go. I, I I labeled it as a retainer. So, you know, it was an easy fix, but you kind of need to know what your buckets are so you can do it correctly for sure. <laughs> yes. And I like a lot of people overcomplicate their categories as well. And ultimately, what I like to do is I label my, my expense categories based on our tax form. So if you're in a single member LLC or a sole proprietor, you file taxes on a Schedule C. Like You might not realize that, but when you do your tax return through like HR Block or wherever, it's filling out a Schedule C. So I have people Google IRS Schedule C, look at the expense categories, and those are going to be your categories in QuickBooks. And then if you want, you can have subcategories. So if your primary category is advertising, like you can have, I have a subcategory for paid advertising, like Facebook ads. You could do that if you, um, you know, like do ads in the knot or something. And then I have another subcategory for like website expenses and other types of more routine expenses. So you can create your own. And then when it comes to income, like what I would recommend is if you're kind of doing a lot of different types of photography, starting out, creating an income category for weddings, an income category for portraits, an income category for you know newborns. I know it's technically a type of portrait photography, but you get the picture. Yeah. And then the idea is when you do your financial analysis, you could say, you know what? I don't really like, like, I don't really like taking photos of babies that much. It's nothing against the babies. I just don't really enjoy it. And you look at your, like at your 
tax documents, you look at your books and you realize that was only 10% of your income last year, but a big part of your stress. So you can use that information to start to streamline your processes and make really important and well-informed business decisions. Yeah. I love that. I, it's so funny. You just I love that we're having this conversation today because I feel like I just did my books on Monday. So I'm like really fresh. <laughs> and um, I literally was like, how much money have I made for coaching this year? You know, Because it's like mm-hmm. for T with Janae, it's really picking up and expanding that for for my business for the secondary part of my business and i was like oh all right I bet, yeah i definitely met my goal you know like of what i had given myself but it was really easy to see because i had it properly labeled in quickbooks and then i ran a report and i was like oh okay it was instantly there so i definitely love that you just said that so good yeah and it's also like it's also really great when we can have these epiphanies of like the thing that we really like to do or maybe the thing that comes like the thing that comes really naturally or the thing that really takes like the least amount of effort for the most you know amount of reward we realize oh i only spend about 10 percent of my time doing this but it's yielding me like 40 percent of my income like i'd be curious to hear the numbers on like the coaching side of things for you yeah but once we have that realization we can start to invest a lot more time and energy into that and we can see our work hours decrease and our revenue actually increase and also you know cut down our expenses and increase our profit yeah i love that but you know having that knowledge or having your numbers really handy it is why that it's like it's easier to do for sure. Exactly. Yes. So do you have any, this is such a great topic. I love this conversation. And, you know, I always like to give our listeners sort of a little bit of a tangible tips or actionable advice um, at, at the, by the end of each episode, is there any sort of actionable things you could maybe um, tell our listeners before we go, like that they should maybe think about or do, or do today that would just help them going forward? Yes. So I have one really fun tip I like to give everyone, and that is to put your taxes on autopilot if you haven't already done that. And you can do this. I use a really awesome app to do this. It's called Capital and it's spelled, I used to call it Quapital. And then my friends started laughing at me because it's spelled (laughs) Q-A-P-I-T-A-L. If you want, like people can go to my website. I have like a it's really, it's not an affiliate relationship. I have, you know, like one of those share with a friend codes. I think we both get like $5, Oh, cool! but um, the way that it works is that you can link it to your business bank account and you're going to tell it how much money you want to save. So I have everyone create a savings account inside a capital just called income tax. And we calculate how much in taxes each student should be saving. So it might be 5% if you're brand new, it might be 30% if you're really high income. But let's say you set it to 20%. Uh, every time you get paid, it's going to automatically withdraw 20% of the money from your bank account and save it inside the app so that you don't have to worry about it. It's like out of sight, out of mind. And then every time your quarterly taxes are due, you can make the tax payment straight from the app like using your ACH like bank account information. So it makes it super easy. If people want to learn exactly how that works, um, they can go to my website. And I have a freebie called the ultimate quarterly tax guide, as well as like several blogs on this. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. I'm going to look at capital. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. There are some other apps out there that do similar things. Um, I also have a lot of people who like to just do a manual transfer every Friday. Um, I always, it's I, I kind of tell this as a joke, but it's actually not really a joke. I always say if the money's in my bank account, like on Friday, like it's probably going to end up being spent at Bloomingdale's or somewhere. So it's better if it's just automatically removed from my site. That's the way I look at it. I love that. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind, but in a good bank account. 
<laughs> yes. Just precisely. waiting for you. I love that. Well, Brayden, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I love talking to you. You definitely have to come back on the show. Yeah. You know, I got so many other tax and legal topics we could talk about. I'd love to. I love it. I love it. So let's tell everybody a little bit more where they can find out uh, more about you, your course uh, and your services online and how to, how they can work with you. Sure. So first of all, go check out my podcast. Am I allowed to swear on your podcast or you want me to censor? Uh, you can swear. Good. Okay. So my podcast title is Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden. You got to put an asterisk for the U, but search that in your podcast app. It'll pop right up. I have about 180 episodes of like strictly legal and tax tips. So you can listen to the ones that are relevant to you. Follow me on Instagram at Braden Adam Drake. Shoot me a DM. We can chat about stuff. And then if you want to learn more about how income taxes actually work in like nitty gritty granule detail, I go through all of this in my book, which is also titled uh, Unfuck Your Biz. And that's available on my website. Awesome. Cool. And then do you do any like one-on-one coaching or is everything um, just uh, in the book and stuff in the podcast? I do a little bit of one-on-one coaching. So like right now, this might not be, this probably won't be available when the podcast comes out, but right now I'm doing like a special offer uh, in the month of August called LLC in a day where we form your LLC in one day, uh, which is like a fun one-on-one service. And then I do a little bit of strategy sessions here and there as well, but pretty much everything I used to do one-on-one, I now uh, offer. It's more of like a group coaching format where we do like live group calls and walk people through it. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, you guys can swipe on up uh, right now and click on the links and say hi to Braden and let him know if you had any aha moments, if you have any questions, he would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it, you guys. I hope you liked today's episode and my chat with Brayden. It was so much fun getting to know him and chat with him a bit about all things income tax. And I'm so happy he was our guest today. If you want to find out more about Brayden and his company and um, listen to his podcast, swipe on up and click on the show notes to say hi on Instagram and let him know you listened to today's show. Well, that's it, you guys. I can't wait to share our next cup of tea together. Talk to you guys soon.